Okay, let's talk about letters of advice and specifically why so many letters of advice to our clients are unnecessarily and bafflingly long. This is the Tips for Lawyers podcast and welcome to this episode. We're going to do a little bit of chat about a particular legal drafting issue, which is communicating the outcome of a particular inquiry to our clients. They ask us a question, we advise them. This is sort of the mainstay, I guess, of the legal profession. You're not going to really embark on any direction in your legal career that does not involve someone asking you a question for which you need to deliver a result. And if you have spent any time around here or listening to me waffle on about things, you will know that I put legal drafting or good legal drafting into four fundamental buckets, I guess. Four things that strategically we need to consider when we're doing any form of legal drafting, in particular letter writing. And those are purpose, audience, tone, and brevity. And all of those come into play when we're talking about how long something is. The first likely time you're going to have to do what I will label, label as a letter of advice is probably going to be internal. It's going to be a letter of advice in the form of a file note from you having been asked a question, given a particular fact scenario, asked to research something and then deliver the outcomes of that research to a supervisor, maybe a partner or a senior lawyer, or whatever it may be. So how are you going to do that? Well, that usually comes in a very particular way. You reframe the question. You say, you asked me to consider this. I looked at these resources. Here are the legal principles that I arrived at, and therefore here is my conclusion. That is essentially what you learn to do in university when considering a question. You would understand the question, you would investigate the various areas of law, you would apply those areas of law to the particular fact scenario, and then you would declare the outcome, which of course in the case of university was designed to be particularly ambiguous and grey, because the answer didn't really matter that much in that particular context. As we're going to see in real life, the answer is probably the only thing that matters, but we're going to circle back to that. So as a junior lawyer, you're given this opportunity to utilize that legal training you have received in order to give an internal outcome to someone. And often, not always, but often, the file note methodology, that academic approach to answering a question is going to be perfectly appropriate for communicating that internally to another lawyer. The question you need to ask as you progress or transition from just doing that process, essentially documenting your thought process, towards communicating that to your client is whether or not that process and the way in which you have expressed it on paper is appropriate for delivery to a client. Because the big idea for this, if you haven't figured it out from everything I've said in previous episodes or on the blog or whatever, is that most clients don't want to read your file note. It's that old adage. No one really cares or wants to know how the sausage is made. They just want to eat the sausages because they're tasty. Okay? 
Same goes really for legal advice. But the problem is, because university has taught us to think and express ourselves in that way, and certainly we have to do that in order to actually get results that mean anything at a university level, and then we come into a law firm and we generally do that file note or memorandum approach internally, we have a tendency to treat advice writing simply as a memorandum with an address block and a signature block plucked, (laughs) sort of deposited onto either side of the memorandum. As you can probably tell, I don't think that's always the best way to go. Now, in some circumstances, it might be. A barrister's advice to a solicitor's firm might be appropriate. That is, for consumption, we need to be able to understand the process has been embarked upon. We need to be able to check that the facts are appropriate. We need to be able to do our jobs as well. But our client isn't necessarily that person. And depending on who your client is and what they actually want, the vast majority of what I will describe as unsophisticated consumers of legal services, so people who aren't getting this kind of advice all the time, the vast majority of them just really want the answer and the recommendation. Can I do this thing? Should I do this thing? What should I do next? That's really all they care about. And the reason our letters of advice end up so long is because rather than just giving them those things, we feel some sort of pressure, whether that's internal or external pressure, to demonstrate the entirety of our working out on paper. There are a few reasons we fall into this trap. The first is, of course, uh, one that unfortunately enough is embedded in some of the solicitor's conduct rules around the place, which is that we actually need to say whether our advice is conditional upon something or not. And generally speaking, our advice is conditional on the facts that we thought we were, uh, we were told actually being correct. However, if I was your client or you were my client, nothing would really annoy me too much more than me reading two pages of the facts that I already told you. For starters, I'm thinking, how long? How, how much did it cost me for you to type out the things I told you? So there's that. Secondly, uh, I actually want to just get to the punchline a little bit faster. So I don't want to read the background facts. You needed to consider them. If you must put them in for some ethical or legal obligation, perhaps you can put them in an appendix or a, you know, an attachment to the letter. That way they can read the advice. You're discharging your duty to make it conditional, but you're not providing a stumbling block for them actually getting to the relevant information. So you can probably purge that bit, and that has a tendency to take up a lot of space. The next part is how much of the legal reasoning do you actually need to communicate to your client? I'll give you an example. Often a question uh, put in a commercial sense, you know, should I sue this person? Should I defend this action? Should I proceed in this way? Have they done this thing wrong? Whatever it might be. Often that question involves you considering a bunch of different legal directions that you might go in answering that particular question. If the outcome of an inquiry is that that avenue has no basis whatsoever, do you really need to include it in the letter? if your client hasn't specifically asked about it? It was just part of your reasoning process. And to me, the answer is probably no. Why do they care that you thought about something, but it's a no-go? Who cares? That, that's, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, so unless they've specifically asked, do I have a claim in 
negligence? Do I have a claim in equity? Do I have a claim in breach of contract? You don't need to go through all of those steps unless they actually want to know that information. So you don't need to include things that they didn't ask you. What's the point in that unless they're material to the advice that you're actually providing? Similarly, in the actual legal reasoning process and the application and the going through of it, do you need to put every single facet in there? For example, contract. Okay? Offer acceptance, consideration, intention to create legal relations, depending on what jurisdiction you're in, what case law you're reading, and what your circumstances are. Hashtag insert disclaimer here. Um, If you are advising on a contract, do you actually need sections where you go, here are the elements and this and that and the other thing? This isn't a pleading, remember, this is an advice. You may not even need to consider or articulate why you are satisfied that a contract has been formed if it's largely a no-brainer. If you have a, a contract where both parties have signed the original document and it's really transparently clear and everyone is clearly functioning on the basis that this is the contract, I don't think we need a page articulating the elements of the formation of the contract. You just go, well, here's the contract. That's it. Uh, If there's nothing to confound that conclusion, you don't need to explain it. And really what we're doing here is ensuring that what we're giving our client is what they actually asked for without diluting it unnecessarily with things they simply don't care about. So you can strip out this stuff. You can strip out a lot of the reasoning. Yes, you had to do the reasoning to arrive at the conclusion, but you don't need to have it on the piece of paper. You can just have done it to do your job and then express what the client actually needs to hear. So what is the other, I guess, main reason that we end up delivering extra long things? The first is we don't actually turn our mind to that at all. Having gone through the process, it's just perfectly natural to us to leave our memorandum push it into letter format and wacko the diddly-o, there's our advice. The other thing we have a tendency to do, we get concerned, and sometimes this is a legitimate concern, that if we simply express an answer in a succinct way and then send a $4,500 bill for the advice, the client might not see the value in that advice because there are not a lot of words on the paper. And while we do not charge per word, generally speaking, and we do not charge because... We have not done the work at the cerebral and research levels. Sometimes there might be a perception that an advice expressed in a particularly clear and succinct way, which would be the best drafting methodology, is not necessarily worth what it is really worth because of the effort that went into producing it in that format. I am a little bit divided on that one because I do understand it. Part of the purpose of a letter is to demonstrate to your client the satisfaction that you have done the job for which they are paying you properly. And we need to consider that as well as giving them the answer that they need front and center in a clearly expressed and succinct way. So we do need to think about that. The other thing we sometimes get caught up with in this process is the butt covering exercise that we go through. The reason we think we need to communicate all the ifs and buts and nuances and maybe this and maybe that, but if this is wrong, and sort of this huge flow chart of events that might be considered is that we don't want to get pinged for having not thought about something or not communicated an option. Again, that's a balancing act, but going down every single possible tendril is probably not the answer and going through none of them at all is probably not the answer either. So apply wisdom, okay? Legal drafting is not actually an easy thing 
to master. Sometimes I add words to what people have drafted. In fact, I did that earlier today. A lot of the time, though, and probably the vast majority of the time, I'm taking things out of what people have drafted because it's just not necessary. It doesn't help the advice. It doesn't add anything to the client's life. It doesn't add anything to the value proposition that we are delivering. It's not ethically necessary. All it does is get in the way of the recommendations that we're trying to make to our clients. So why is your advice too long? In a nutshell, it's because you're not turning your mind to those four elements, audience, purpose, brevity and tone, and I said them in a different order before just to keep you on your toes, it's because you're not turning your mind to them. You're doing the legal research part, you're doing the academic part, and I'm assuming you're getting that great, but then you're not transitioning from that, that academic brain research exercise into I am a trusted advisor trying to communicate things to my client in a meaningful way that they can actually take and apply or give me the instructions I need or take the step that they need to take in order to protect their interests. That's the transition you need to make in order to ensure that your legal drafting and in particular your legal advice writing survives that experience as you become more senior, lest you simply become someone who uses up many, 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 many unnecessary words, which is also the time where I stop speaking because I have finished the points I wanted to say. This has been the Tips for Lawyers podcast. Do not forget to leave a review, say something nice, hit a button. That means you enjoy this episode and I hope you got something out of it and I'll see you next time.